And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, your trusted admin advisor, lover of all things small business and expert when it comes to admin, really. Um, And that's what I'm going to be talking about today, which I'm super excited about. It's actually a bit of a sneak peek to one of my presentations that is coming up at one of our fantastic local networking groups. And those of you who aren't aware, maybe you're sitting in your home office right now having a listen to good old 2 Triple H FM, you might realise that we actually have some wonderful networking groups available to small businesses, particularly in this case, this one called Home-Based Business Network. And that's all about targeting those people who do work from home, don't tend to get out um, and do a lot of uh, co-working or interacting with other businesses because they simply don't have the requirements to do so. Um, And that's what I really like about HBBN. So I'm super excited to be presenting with them next Tuesday, which is great. Unfortunately, we won't have a show, but instead we're going to have a little bit of a sneak peek on what we're going to be talking about at HBBN next week. And those are some things that I'm quite passionate about. My regular listeners will know that part of the thing that uh, makes me driven and excited about small business is educating small business because I don't believe there is enough information out there to really help us understand what the requirements are, what our legal obligations are, perhaps, or what we have to do when we're in um, different situations. And those situations might range from what we have to do with the tax office through to local council, through to uh, what our compliance requirements are, especially around dealing with contractors, superannuation um, and employees. And those of you who say, well, I'm just a one-man band, I don't really uh, have much to do with with other uh, people because I don't employ anyone and it's just me, there's plenty of regulations out there that you do need to be aware of. So we're going to touch on a couple of those things today, which I'm really excited about, and it's going to um, hopefully give you some top tips as well around admin strategies too. So so look, let's get straight into it. Um, look, Small Biz Matters, those of you who are not my regular listeners will know it's all about small business education, it's about a little bit of biz hacks, little tips and strategies you might pick up now and then that you can utilise in your business. And we're all about the practical. We want to make sure that you walk away from either a program or perhaps a presentation with just a little bit more knowledge about how you can be a little bit more efficient when it comes to your business and work more effectively. There's a lot of distractions out there. Uh, There's a lot of things out there that are literally, literally designed to stop us from being um, as productive as we possibly can because, you know, these companies would rather that we were productive looking at their screens or looking at their advertising material or even simply just looking at their logo. So some of those uh, things we're going to discuss today are about time management, time effectiveness, but also the importance of taking a break and the importance of balancing that time um, with uh, some good quality me time as well, which, by the way, is okay to do in the middle of the day. So let's get straight into it. We're going to talk about strategies to help get your admin under control, first of all. Now, the reason why this is a struggle for businesses is because many times when people think about admin, they automatically think of their books or they think of their receipts or they think of punching things into a machine. And what we were doing 15 years ago with these pieces of admin is very, very different to what happens these days. And I'm going to explain to you some great programs and apps and pieces of software that are out there to help businesses minimise the amount of time that you spend working on those receipts and those bits of admin that that can be quite time consuming and fairly ineffective as well. So the top areas where businesses generally feel out of control are uh, emails and um, maybe the filing of documents, whether that's soft copy or hard copy. 
In the old days, we used to have an in-tray. If we talk about, nobody talks about in-trays anymore. We used to have an in-tray that would be piled high, well above the, the standard uh, couple of inches that it was meant to be, and it would, it would overflow. Um, I've seen some people's offices that their entire offices looks like one giant big in-tray. Oddly, sometimes a lot of lawyers' offices look like that. And the transition to uh, becoming paper-free is, uh, is quite daunting as well. Another place where areas feel out of con- small business feels out of control is invoicing cash flow and bookkeeping. So understanding the nuances of, of their money and um, their seasonality of their business as well and, and invoicing the importance of doing that as quickly as possible and also keeping on top of your bookkeeping. So I'm going to give you some tips about that today as well. And diary management. I know that sounds a bit strange. Many of us came from a corporate world background where those uh, directors might have had an executive assistant who all they seemed to do was look after the, the manager's diary. And the reason for that is because it's it's actually quite complex. And um, if you don't manage your diary effectively, and I'm not just talking about when the meetings are, uh, but actually... Um, it, just managing that time, uh, that, that's all comes in with, with diary management as well. So we're going to look at those three things. So we're going to look at um, diary management first. So diary is not lo- no longer an A4, you know, document, not a document, a book that we used to walk around with that, you know, we would die a million deaths if it fell out of our briefcase and we wouldn't have it anymore. We're now talking about, obviously, uh, digital, digital calendars and we're no longer just talking about those that live on our computers, but we're actually speaking of those that are in the cloud. The reason why I recommend that everybody has a diary or a calendar in the cloud is because nine times out of 10, most of us would have a family member, a partner, a business associate, perhaps even a contractor who needs to be aware of what your movements are. So we don't have executive assistants anymore. What we have is other people involved in our lives, particularly when we are small businesses, that need to be aware of where we are, what we're doing, even which area of Sydney we're in when it comes to parenting. And a great way to do that is to keep that diary online. Now, in the, in the cloud, I should say, when you've got diaries in the cloud, such as, let's look at Google Calendar, that would be a a very typical, uh, well-known diary. Google Cal is, is great because you can colour code the different aspects of your life. Um, frighteningly, if, if, we, if we take a look at my Google Calendar, there's probably, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, there's about eight <laughs> different colours because you've got stuff that involves family and routine, just the everyday, taking the kids to ballet, taking the kids to sport thing. Then you've got, um, you know, one, you've got two businesses in the family like we do. There's, there's two different calendars there that are uh, important for that. You've got your social stuff. Uh, you've got your... Um, you might be looking at trying to keep a timesheet within a calendar so you can see diarised when you've got different things on. You might have medical appointments. You might have a family member that you need to look after and make sure that that person's colour-coded differently. Straight into it, we're going to talk about strategies to help get your admin under control, first of all. Now, the reason why this is a struggle for businesses is because many times when people think about admin, they automatically think of their books or they think of their receipts or they think of punching things into a machine. And what we were doing 15 years ago with these pieces of admin is very, very different to what happens these days. And I'm going to explain to you some great programs and apps and pieces of software that are out there to help businesses minimise the amount of time that you spend working on those receipts and those bits of admin that that can be quite time consuming and fairly ineffective as well. So the top areas where businesses generally feel out of control are uh, emails and um, maybe the filing of documents, whether that's soft copy or hard copy. 
In the old days, we used to have an in-tray. If we talk about, nobody talks about in-trays anymore. We used to have an in-tray that would be piled high, well above the, the standard uh, couple of inches that it was meant to be, and it would, it would overflow. Um, I've seen some people's offices that their entire office looks like one giant big in-tray. Oddly, sometimes a lot of lawyers' offices look like that. And the transition to uh, becoming paper-free is, uh, is quite daunting as well. Another place where areas feel out of con- small business feels out of control is invoicing cash flow and bookkeeping. So understanding the nuances of, of their money and um, the seasonality of their business as well and, and invoicing the importance of doing that as quickly as possible and also keeping on top of your bookkeeping. So I'm going to give you some tips about that today as well. And diary management. I know that sounds a bit strange. Many of us came from a corporate world background where those uh, directors might have had an executive assistant who all they seemed to do was look after the, the manager's diary. And the reason for that is because it's it's actually quite complex. And um, if you don't manage your diary effectively, and I'm not just talking about when the meetings are, uh, but actually... Um, just managing that time, uh, that that's all comes in with, with diary management as well. So we're going to look at those three things. So we're going to look at um, diary management first. So diary is not lo- no longer an A4, you know, document, not a document, a book that we used to walk around with that, you know, we would die a million deaths if it fell out of our briefcase and we wouldn't have it anymore. We're now talking about, obviously, uh, digital digital calendars and we're no longer just talking about those that live on our computers, but we're actually speaking of those that are in the cloud, the reason why I recommend that everybody has a diary or a calendar in the cloud is because nine times out of 10, most of us would have a family member, a partner, a business associate, perhaps even a contractor who needs to be aware of what your movements are. So we don't have executive assistants anymore. What we have is other people involved in our lives, particularly when we are small businesses, that need to be aware of where we are, what we're doing, even which area of Sydney we're in when it comes to parenting. And a great way to do that is to keep that diary online. Now, in the in the cloud, I should say, when you've got diaries in the cloud, such as, let's look at Google Calendar, that would be a a very typical, uh, well-known diary. Google Cal is is great because you can colour code the different aspects of your life. Um, Frighteningly, if we we take a look at my Google Calendar, there's probably, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, there's about eight (laughs) different colours because you've got stuff that involves family and routine, just the everyday, taking the kids to ballet, taking the kids to sport thing. Then you've got, um, you know, one, you've got two businesses in the family like we do. There's there's two different calendars there that are important for that. You've got your social stuff. Uh, you've got your, um, you might be looking at trying to keep a timesheet within a calendar so you can see diarised when you've got different things on. You might have medical appointments. You might have a family member that you need to look after and make sure that that person's colour-coded differently. Uh, so colour coding's a great way and you can keep uh, each of these diaries separate and you can switch them on and off. So, for example, I have a colleague of mine who works for me and because we sometimes work in the office, we sometimes work in one another's homes, we need to know where each other are. So um, I have enabled her to be able to view, um, not not edit, but just view my calendar so she can see where I am at any time. She can't see where I'm taking the kids to sport. Um, she can't see what my husband's uh, movements are for his business, but she can only see mine. So you can switch that on and off as to who can actually access those calendars. It's very handy when you've got colleagues or even contractors um, that need to be aware of your whereabouts. So the other useful thing about these calendars is uh, you can turn them on and off. You can just view only some of them and not others. If, if you become, It becomes a bit daunting to have a look at all of them as well. And um, I like it because they obviously, when they're online, they 
they instantly um, they, they, they update instantly. So you make a change, then the other person can see them straight away. One thing to bear in mind is that you don't need to have your entire life in Google in order to operate a calendar. You just need a Google uh, account. Now, uh, quite a few people find it a bit confusing when we talk about Google accounts. They're not necessarily, I have to have my all of my emails, all of my life, everything in Google. And that's not the case at all. You can obviously have your emails in your own server, um, your own email management system, which might be um, operated by an external IT provider, for example. You don't have to be operating your your emails through the Google um, system. All you need is a login. Now, that gives you Gmail. You might not use it for anything, but a, a separate login that you can then access all of the Google um, opportunities and there are quite a lot of things there that you should start to explore as a business. So as an aside as well, I would recommend it's a good idea to get yourself a Google account. If nothing else, just to sit on your business name, just to grab it like you would a a website, for example, just so you can have that uh, listed. So some of the things I recommend to my clients when they're setting up is grab um, perhaps your business name at Gmail com, and also uh, register a YouTube channel in your business name as well. Now, the world might move on from YouTube in five or six times when you finally get around to doing videos, but in the meantime, you've at least grabbed that name for yourself and no one else can take that. So that's, uh, that's a good tip about Google in general. So again, you don't need to have a Google account in order to be running these, um, these apps or these features of Google that are very handy. There are, of course, other options other than Google Calendar, but I, I'm a fan because um, it's all in one place and it's very easy to share and have other people view it and that sort of thing. So speaking about uh, filing, um, you know, as I said, gone are the days where you have an inbox and uh, a huge pile of paperwork that's that's going in. And so I like to encourage people to become paper-free. Now, that can be quite daunting when you are looking at that giant filing cabinet or everything around you is is paper. We need to know where each other are. So um, I have enabled her to be able to view, um, not not edit, but just view my calendar so she can see where I am at any time. She can't see where I'm taking the kids to sport. Um, she can't see what my husband's uh, movements are for his business, but she can only see mine. So you can switch that on and off as to who can actually access those calendars. It's very handy when you've got colleagues or even contractors um, that need to be aware of your whereabouts. So the other useful thing about these calendars is uh, you can turn them on and off. You can just view only some of them and not others. If, if you become, It becomes a bit daunting to have a look at all of them as well. And um, I like it because they obviously, when they're online, they instantly, um, they, they, they update instantly. So you make a change, then the other person can see them straight away. One thing to bear in mind is that you don't need to have your entire life in Google in order to operate a calendar. You just need a Google uh, account. Now, uh, quite a few people find it a bit confusing when we talk about Google accounts. They're not necessarily, I have to have my all of my emails, all of my life, everything in Google. And that's not the case at all. You can obviously have your emails in your own server, um, your own email management system, which might be um, operated by an external IT provider, for example. You don't have to be operating your your emails through the Google um, system. All you need is a login. Now, that gives you Gmail. You might not use it for anything, but a, a separate login that you can then access all of the Google um, 
opportunities and there are quite a lot of things there that you should start to explore as a business. So as an aside as well, I would recommend it's a good idea to get yourself a Google account. If nothing else, just to sit on your business name, just to grab it like you would a a website, for example, just so you can have that uh, listed. So some of the things I recommend to my clients when they're setting up is grab um, perhaps your business name at Gmail com and also uh, register a YouTube channel in your business name as well. Now, the world might move on from YouTube in five or six times when you finally get around to doing videos, but in the meantime, you've at least grabbed that name for yourself and no one else can take that. So that's, uh, that's a good tip about Google in general. So again, you don't need to have a Google account in order to be running these, um, these apps or these features of Google that are very handy. There are, of course, other options other than Google Calendar, but I, I'm a fan because um, it's all in one place and it's very easy to share and have other people view it and that sort of thing. So speaking about uh, filing, um, you know, as I said, gone are the days where you have an inbox and uh, a huge pile of paperwork that's that's going in. And so I like to encourage people to become paper-free. Now, that can be quite daunting when you are looking at that giant filing cabinet or everything around you is is paper. You don't have to start from five years ago. You can literally start from today. Um, the important thing is that you set up this this systemization efficiently and effectively to begin with so that you're not just, which we see all the time, throwing files onto a desktop and hoping that you'll get around to categorizing those later. There's a really simple way to start from scratch when it comes to organizing your filing system in a soft copy. So a simple way to do it is to just business, to just divide it into business and personal. So there's your first two folders, work, personal. And then within your personal, you might have finance, family and household. Your family has all of your fun stuff, your emails or whatever it is that you want to hang on to that's important, your memories, um, you know, the, the whatever it is, soft copies of things that you want to keep that's a memory. Your household might include all of your household documentation. It might talk about uh, projects that you've got around the home, some research that you've done, for example. And it might be, um, you know, bills of, of, of tradies that have come through and all that sort of stuff. Your finance, when it comes to your personal stuff, is, is all of your banking, your personal tax, uh, your medical stuff, your, um, your vehicles that are all on a personal nature. And I guess when we run small businesses, it's very easy for those things to become a bit muddied. If you file things separately from a soft copy filing system point of view, you might find it a little bit more philosophically easier to extract yourself from the business as well. So literally distinguishing when there is a vehicle between it being personal or it being uh, of of a business nature would be quite helpful. Looking at the work side now... It's it's quite similar. You've got finance, again, which is, again, vehicles. Uh, you might have your insurance in there. You might have your legal stuff in there. You might have your bookkeeping and admin in there. And then you've got your client work. And a great way to divide up client work is simply um, old <laughs> and current. And then you can start building the filing structure from there. And the last part you want to have is business development. And that categorizes all of your sales, your marketing, your research you might be doing, um, you know, coming to these fabulous events, all those bits and pieces that are relating to growing your business, which is very separate from your client work and again, very separate from your finance. Now, that's a really simple filing structure to just get started. The one thing I would suggest is that when you are creating a filing structure on your 
hard drive or in the cloud, wherever that might be, where you keep all your files, make sure that you mirror that for your emails as well. So you're always looking at the same systemization of filing. Your, your brain is going through the same step-by-step process in order to categorize a document or a piece of information or a piece of research. That way you're not saying to yourself in emails, something is marketing, but on your, on your desktop, something is BD. So think about um, trying to mirror those across the different ways. And also trust in your search functions. It doesn't matter a great deal. I mean, there's plenty of people out there who just shove everything into my documents. And you know why that's okay? Because your computer has has very powerful ability to search through individual words within a document or within an email to actually source that original file that you're looking for. It's not that difficult, particularly if you are very, very good at naming your files. It's very important that you name files correctly. I also, whenever I have a document, even though I can go back and find out when it was created, I still like to put in the name, file name of a document, the actual uh, uh, the actual date when it was created, particularly with client works. So so-and-so had an engagement letter. So they it was originally created on the 13th of March. And that's the reason for that is at a glance, when I'm looking through their files, I might say, oh, that's when I started working with that person. Straight away, I know. I don't have to look at the file and then get info and find out when the file was created. So it's a good way to work out uh, the these apps updated and um, because sometimes they get a little bit buggy and the new, next update will generally iron out those things. So if, you, if you're not keeping your systems updated, make sure that you do on a regular basis. And you can choose between, you know, Google Drive, Dropbox, OneDrive. They all have a similar uh, ability to store documents. The important part is thinking about that systemization and making sure that your documents are stored in the right place. Now, that doesn't mean you have to name every single receipt. So I've, I've come across some clients who have literally written petrol and then the date and then what client it was relating to. On every, They've renamed every document. That's absolutely unnecessary. You only have to keep it for uh, the, the purposes of having an image and purposes of having evidence. Your accounting software is where you capture what it is and the date and what it was for and what job it was relating to. Don't double up. So you don't have to rename these documents. The IMG uh, document name is just fine. And you don't even have to put them in different months. That is also unnecessary because you can often find, again, using that search function, you can find quite easily the original place from which this document, um, the date in which it was created. So it's quite, quite easy to find. Therefore, you would know what date it's for. And again, the date would be captured in your accounting system anyway. So you've, you've captured all these documents. Now, one really great way to do that is to do it on Google Drive on your phone. And the way you do that is opening up your Google Drive, opening a folder that you have named Receipts, and then you hit the plus button at the bottom of your screen and you use your camera, you take a picture and you add it. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. Then later on when it comes to doing your book work, that's where all your documentation is. You can also use that Google Drive to drag and drop the attachments that come in as emails that are relating to tax, such as your insurance documents or, you know, your certificates of insurance or everything. Anything that's financial, you can pop into that, um, into that folder. Now, this is sort of, 
I guess, the poor man's option. This is what you do if you don't want to be paying $50 a month for software. But there are great online accounting systems such as Xero or such as Receipt Bank, which will capture these and do a lot more than just grab the image for you. They are much more powerful programs that take away the time-consuming actions. And we're going to talk about those a little bit about that a bit later. So some tips for going paper-free. Uh, you might uh, start requesting everything in emails. So you'll have from your banks, from your insurance, from your, um, you, anybody, anybody who sends receipts, start asking for them, or bank statements, start asking for them in PDF format. Um, I believe it is now legal, don't quote me on that, but I think it's that banks now have to provide bank statements um, in an electronic form five years previous. Many of the banks are enabling you to be able to do that online, which is very handy from a bookkeeper's perspective. Um, you, If you're trying to remember something that you've done, uh, maybe a client conversation that you've had, write an email to yourself. So say, okay, I don't really want to write this down anywhere else. I don't want to send it to the clients, but I want to remember that I had this conversation with this client. And the great thing about emails is they date stamp it and they time stamp it. And you can send it to yourself and just file it in that client's file in your emails. Synchronize your emails on your phone and computer. I can't believe I was doing this for years where I had my emails on my computer were different from my phone. Um, I think I was about two years behind everyone else. That is a must. Just to know what you're looking at on your different devices is exactly the same is really important. Talk to your email provider uh, about getting that happening as soon as possible just so you can have it all mirrored. Start with finance documents because they're the obvious ones. Getting those online first um, is, is the easiest thing. And, and obviously, like I said, draw a line in the sand. Keep that as your starting point. Today's the day. It doesn't have to be the 1st of July or anything like that. Just say from now on, at this point, I'm going to make sure this file holds all my finance documents and it will be easier to find in the long run. Now, this is important because we keep on talking about online and cloud and how fabulous it is and how you can grab it and search for it, but you must have a backup system. And whether that be... Uh, you know, a secondary um, backup system on your on your actual computer. Um, sorry, on your on your desk, sitting there on your actual desk at home. You might have a terabyte drive, and every week you have an auto backup, which your computer does. And a couple of a couple of suggestions that have come from some great IT guys that I know in terms of what to do with this backup. Number one, unplug it. Don't get one of those ones that are automatically locked into the cloud so that they are talking on your Wi-Fi at all times. You want this system to be completely separate from your hard system that is your computer. Because if you do get infiltrated by some sort of ransomware attack or some sort of virus, it's just as easy for it to jump across into that hard drive because of the Wi-Fi system or because it's literally connected to your computer. And that's the point of this exercise is to protect that information. So copy everything across. Um, unless you're a video production guy or you're doing something with massively huge files, one of those terabyte drives that cost a whopping $100 um, from one of the retailers is all you need. However, double backup system. So you've got that backed up. That's fine. But you also want to do it a second time and pick up, physically pick up that drive and move it to a different place. You might have one at your office at work and one at your office at home. You might have one at your office at home and another one at your partner's work or your parents' house. The reason for that is you lose your computer, 
or it gets infiltrated by a virus and then you lose one drive, you've at least got the second drive. And it's painful, I know, but it's very important. Uh, Recently, a friend of mine was infiltrated by a ransomware attack and we were very lucky that we managed to get him onto a great IT guy that did actually rescue everything. But what a lot of people find amazing is that it got into his Dropbox. They got through to his Dropbox and they... Uh, encrypted all of his files. So he could see all the files were still sitting there online when he logged in on any computer, as you do. He could see they were there tantalisingly, but he couldn't open them um, and he couldn't do anything with them, which was absolutely disastrous. Managed to get the ransomware out of his machine and out of his Dropbox and, and save all those files, thankfully, but that's not always a guarantee. Had he had the backup, uh, he could have just changed his password and then perhaps re- just reintegrated all that stuff back into his computer as you can hear I'm not really a tech head but I know that that would work <laughs> as long as that that particular device didn't get encrypted didn't get uh, attacked as well um, they're going to be at different stages so I use Trello card for each client where I list out the full process and then I just tick the boxes so at a glance I can open up a card and say god I haven't touched that person's stuff for a few days where was I up to what was I waiting on and then you open up the card and you go oh that's right I was waiting for them to give me that insurance certificate or or this piece of documentation and you go back to them and you remind them I'm still waiting on this I can't go any further before I get this for example so that's a great way that Trello can help you manage your your client um, your client work Another great piece of software for CRM, which is your client relationship management. So there's the client work, which I like to use Trello for, and there's also client relationship, and that kind of helps you track where you're at with different um, potential clients, your, your, your sales, for example, or your marketing, who you're talking to and, and where you're up to with that conversation. Um, and I like to use Zoho for that, uh, and it's a, gr- a great little system. It, you, can, you can call clients warm, cool, and hot, and you can distinguish where you're at with each of those or you can set little date and timestamps about when you want to contact them next. They might say, look, I'm going to go overseas for a couple of weeks. Can you get in touch with me when I return? So you make a note about when to, to get in return. It's a good way to keep that. It, it will give you alerts uh, rather than keeping it within your diary, which can get a bit messy if, if you are in that business development phase of your business. Another great app I'm a big fan of is SurveyMonkey. Now, a lot of people go, oh, I've just filled that in for school or I've just used that for, I don't know, I, I hired something at Kennards and now they're, they've given me a survey to fill in. Well, think about using it for your business and you can use it at different stages. You could do it when you're first starting out where you can gauge the interest of people around you. You could ask families and friends or trusted business colleagues what they think of a certain business name or a particular logo or uh, what they think of your business idea altogether. Where do they think their demand would be according to the industry that they're in, for example? You can use it once you finish a big task that involves lots of different clients. So, for example, if I've finished my BAS process, I might ask all 35 of my clients, how did I do? You know, were, you, were they happy with the timelines? Was I a bit slow? Was I responsive enough for them? Be prepared for really direct answers, but that's what you want to be able to get the best out of it. And I would recommend whenever you have a survey monkey going out uh, that you have a reward at the end of it. And you say, look, the one person will receive a $20 or 
um, voucher for Kmart or Officeworks or something. Everyone can use that for business. And make sure that when it's all finished that they know that there was someone who actually got the voucher and that you weren't just lying. Um, another really great app I'm a big fan of, of course, is Receipt Bank. Uh, Receipt Bank links in with multiple different accounts, softwares, and it's a great way of capturing five pieces of data of every receipt that you take a picture of without you doing anything to it. So, for example, you take a picture of a receipt, it will pull out the date, it will pull out the name of the company that you just bought it from, the amount, the total amount, the GST amount, and if you've entered that supplier before, it will remember what they were last time. So that's five pieces of information that would normally take you two or three minutes to enter into a typical accounting system or into an Excel spreadsheet, for example. Plus, it holds onto the image of that receipt and also integrates with your software so you've got a double backup of that image too. Um, that's a really great app and saves you a lot of time. And if you value your time, I would recommend starting to use automated apps like these um, in your systems. So uh, one of the main reasons, and we were talking before about what those three pinch points were for businesses, they were going paper-free and understanding what they need to do with their uh, their receipts, um, the really you know, difficult issues that they've got with bookkeeping. Emails and filing, we discussed that a little bit earlier, but diary management as well and how to control that diary. So I'm just going to give you some top tips on how to control that receipt beast. So daily, every day, you can just quickly take a photo, either scanning into uh, your cloud drive very quickly from your phone uh, or into something like Receipt Bank. Um, But I would suggest you write on the receipt what it was that you were doing, even if it's just, you know, stationary. Uh, it's probably going to be quite obvious, but it, it does help um, to read your own handwriting quickly. And it literally takes five seconds to take out a pen, write on the receipt and then take a photo. Especially if you're having uh, a client engagement, like a client meeting or something like that, you want to write down which client you were with. If you do that regularly, uh, you have to justify that as much as possible. Different accountants have different feelings about, uh, oh, feelings, feelings. They have different ways of looking at uh, how whether you can claim certain expenses but if you write down what it was there's no there's no distinction about whether it's claimable or not yeah it, at least you know what it was in the first place weekly so weekly uh, it's a good idea to track the transfers between your accounts because you can forget where the money was went when it was flying around um, invoices out you should be sending out invoices as quickly as possible and adding payments against invoices, particularly if you've got a program that automatically sends out reminders to your clients. You look like a bit of a twit if you haven't marked something as paid. Creating rules in your accounting software as well as you go, make your accounting software smarter, create rules so that it gets faster and faster. Monthly, you should be reconciling to your bank account statement. So it's all fine and well to say, yeah, my accounting software works perfectly and my banks are very communicative and perfect with the way they talk to my accounting software. They're not. Don't trust them. We don't trust banks. So why would you trust them with communicating effectively on a software level? Always check your bank statements match what you're expecting to see in your software. And you should be able to find some uh, step-by-step processes on how to do that. Uh, Tracking down the missing receipts, right? If you do that at the end of the month rather than the end of the year, you'll have a better chance of remembering what that receipt was for. And uh, chasing unpaid invoices do that monthly as well. Now, quarterly, I do recommend to everyone who is registered for GST to do their BAS quarterly. And the reason for that is because it makes you keep on top of things. You don't have to do it. Uh, You can do it annually. Plenty of people do who are relatively small to begin with. But then 
where's the fun in doing it at the end of the year? Surely you want to do it four times a year. No, no, no. Surely you want to do it quarterly so that you can keep on top of things and track what's going on in your business. If you do it once a year, you, you don't know what's going on. You, you haven't got up-to-date figures or analysis of understanding where you're at. Um, you can't even talk about cash flow because you don't know what, what's happening with your business. So do it quarterly. Um, also, uh, I've got a quick tip. This is my quick tip for the day, my quick top tip for the day. I think it's a good idea for every business to know how much, how long it takes you to, uh, sorry, I'll start again. I think it's a good idea for every reconciling to your bank account statement. So it's all fine and well to say, yeah, my accounting software works perfectly and my banks are very communicative and perfect with the way they talk to my accounting software. They're not. Don't trust them. We don't trust banks. So why would you trust them with communicating effectively on a software level? Always check your bank statements match what you're expecting to see in your software. And you should be able to find some uh, step-by-step processes on how to do that. Uh, tracking down the missing receipts, right? If you do that at the end of the month rather than the end of the year, you'll have a better chance of remembering what that receipt was for. And uh, chasing unpaid invoices do that monthly as well. Now, quarterly, I do recommend to everyone who has registered for GST to do their BAS quarterly. And the reason for that is because it makes you keep on top of things. You don't have to do it. Uh, you can do it annually. Plenty of people do who are relatively small to begin with. But then where's the fun in doing it at the end of the year? Surely you want to do it four times a year. No, no, no. Surely you want to do it quarterly so that you can keep on top of things and track what's going on in your business. If you do it once a year, you, you don't know what's going on. You, you haven't got up-to-date figures or analysis of understanding where you're at. Um, you can't even talk about cash flow because you don't know what, what's happening with your business. So do it quarterly. Um, also, uh, I've got a quick tip. This is my quick tip for the day, my quick top tip for the day. I think it's a good idea for every business to know how much, how long it takes you to, uh, sorry, I'll start again. I think it's a good idea for every business to understand how much it costs to run your business per hour. There's only one business I've come across where I've said to someone, so how much does it cost you per hour to run your business? And he said $62.47. And that was a plumber. Because he'd sat down and he'd done this exercise, looking at all of your overheads, your accounting costs, your insurance, uh, the typical amount you pay for entertaining clients in a given year, your professional memberships, your professional um, your CPD credits, your, your stationery, um, your vehicle stuff, all of your you know motoring vehicle costs, uh, your software subscriptions, your hardware purchases, everything that it costs you to run your business, add it all up, divide it by 40 for the for the sorry divided by 50 48 which is a 48 hour weeks in a year that we work because you know apparently small business takes four weeks off (laughs) and then you divide it by 40 because that's how many hours you work in a week yeah because small business only works 40 hours a week but let's look at a typical working week and that should give you an hourly rate on how much it costs you to run a business per year per hour I should say if you're not charging at least that amount you're going backwards So have a think about that. Also gives you an idea about how much you should be earning each day uh, in order to break even. So it's a little exercise I like to give all my clients. Uh, The last thing I wanted to talk about today was just um, a very quick overview of employee versus contractor. So when you've got um, an employee or a contractor starting to engage with your business, you might be hiring someone to do something for a project or for an hourly basis or to give you some assistance in the office, for example. It's really important that you work out if they should be an employee 
or a contractor as far as the ATO is concerned. There is a uh, online tool called the ATO Employee versus Contractor Tool. And remember, any tools that you complete or surveys that you complete on the ATO website, make sure you keep a PDF copy at the back end. Make a printable version and print it out and put the name of the person you were thinking of when you completed the survey. That's really important because any information that the ATO gives you, they are bound by. So you've got evidence to show that you had due diligence and you did the right thing and you asked the right questions and answered the survey properly and that's the answer that you got. So it's very important that you figure out uh, whether someone is an employee or a contractor before you begin engaging with them because what you might find is two years down the track, the ATO could turn around and say, actually, I think that person should have been an employee. By the way, you've got to pay them entitlements. By the way, you've got to pay for their super, even though you think you've been paying their super as part of their invoices. So make sure you investigate that properly. Well, that pretty much sums it up for all of my admin top tips today. I've bundled them all in together for a a lovely little half-hour stint there. I'm sure your brains are all very, very full. Now, as usual, our uh, biz hacks, uh, sorry, our podcasts will be available online to listen to anytime on the smallbizmatters.com.au website. Just click on the blogs and podcasts page. You can listen to today's podcast as well. That'll be up in the next few days. And make sure you check us out on LinkedIn. You can follow me, Alexi Boyd, um, thereby getting all the information that's coming up through and finding out when the podcasts do become available. And of course, the Small Biz Matters Australia Facebook page, um, which has lots of great tips on there, events coming up, things that are going on that you might want to be aware of um, and keep an idea for your diary. And make sure you subscribe to the newsletter as well, because that gives you an update on everything that's happening each week in our local area for small business. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I've loved it because it's all about admin, of course. Uh, And uh, if you want to get in touch, you can, of course, contact me via Facebook. Oh, and by the way, if you've got a great show you'd like to impart some knowledge with, just like I just did then for the last half hour, you can, of course, jump in and uh, come on our program. It's free and uh, you get to use your podcast at later times for your own marketing material. So get in touch. Well, thanks for joining me, everybody. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. I look forward to your company once again next week, every Tuesday at 9am.